You're listening to a special Beyond the Soundbite edition of FO in the Know. FO in the Know is a Fair Oaks community podcast. I'm your host, Darren Mounts, and I'm also a director on the Fair Oaks Recreation and Parks District's board. Today, we're having a conversation with Matthew Ciccato, who's one of the five candidates running for county supervisor in our district, District 3. Today, we're going beyond the soundbite to get to know Matt a little bit better and gain an understanding of how he would approach this position if elected. Matt, thanks for taking the time to talk to our community, and welcome. Thanks for having me, Darren. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, we, uh, yeah, we appreciate the opportunity to talk with all the different candidates. It's a very, um, I think the people that live in this community uh, hold this position in, in, in a very high regard. There's a, a lot of important decisions that affect the district on a day-to-day basis, and um, especially with uh, the proximity of Fair Oaks to the, uh, the parkway, which even makes it a little bit more closer to home with some of the different things that are going on in the district. So we appreciate the time that, you know, that you've taken tonight to talk to us a little bit. So why don't we just go into a little bit about yourself and your background and, and what got you all started in the process here? Yeah, that's a good place to start. Well, I can tell you, I love my community. I really had a great childhood growing up here in Sacramento. I was born and raised. I'm one of five kids. I'm a triplet with two girls in the middle. Uh, my parents had great jobs in Sacramento. Uh, great. My mom worked for the state. My father was a janitor, cleaned her building at night. So whether it was one car, two cars, riding regional transit or things, we did things as a family and really built a sense of community. And so my childhood was um, scouts. It was camping, a lot of playing uh, Little League and Mm -hmm. in the parkway and and really enjoying what are natural wonders we have around us. And um, everything changed for me. Everything changed the morning of 9-11. I was a high school graduate, kind of trying to determine what I wanted to do with my life. And I saw at that moment, and at that moment, I saw my community was hurting. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to stand up and see if I could ease that pain or mitigate it somehow. And so I went to the Army recruiting station just a few short days later. I raised my right hand, and I became a paratrooper in the United States Army to do my part. I had to leave my community because I loved it so much to serve it on its behalf. And so I spent five years in the United States Army, spent some time in North Carolina. In fact, the day I arrived in North Carolina was the day Time Magazine announced Sacramento County as the most diverse place in the, the nation. And I spent um, two combat tours in Iraq. I was there for the invasion, 13 months overseas, came home for a few months and right back over. And it was on my second tour where I was wounded. I was shot in my legs on, you know, uh, a mission that that went wrong. Wow. And so I came back to Sacramento. I was medevaced to Germany and spent some time in hospitals in Walter Reed and uh, spent a few months at Walter Reed. And I came back to Sacramento different. I came back to Sacramento as somebody who still loved their community, but I came back um, in a wheelchair. Wow. I came back as somebody who was broken physically, who was also broken a little mentally as well. And so uh, I began my time rehabbing in here in Sacramento. The VA was gracious enough to provide a hospital bed and a wheelchair and kind of a, a thank you for your service. And I spent some time sitting there, well, only some short time, because that wasn't it for me. That wasn't going to be enough. And so... Uh, with some help from my folks and some family, and I rolled myself into Sac City, and then from Sac City, graduating, working to a walker and to a cane, and 
the leg braces and whatnot. Sac City to Sacramento State, proudly graduated from there. Along the way, met uh, an incredible, beautiful lady who's, who's now my wife, who's a fellow student. And um, we're raising two great girls together here in Sacramento. And so I, I knew I wanted to continue to serve. I knew I wanted to, to continue to do something for my community. And I could no longer jump out of planes. I could no longer lead a squad in Iraq. And so I had to find something else. And it was in my search that I found Congressman Bear's office as a wounded warrior fellow. They would put severely wounded veterans around the country in members of Congress district office to provide that, that touch, to provide um, sometimes a voice of reason, to provide sure. um, that experience and that lens to help specifically with our large veteran population, which we have here in Sacramento County. But I was fortunate to really branch out and work with seniors and small businesses and do a lot. And so that was a temporary fellowship that ended on a Friday. I showed back up on Monday, and I said, let's get back to work. We have too many things to do. Luckily enough, they said yes, of course. And now it's been uh, almost seven years. I'm currently as district director, and I'm proud of the work we do every day and the fact that I can continue to serve my community and continue to serve um, uh, just in general, continue to just serve uh, people around me and my neighbors. Certainly. I mean, that's um, a very admirable cause and and we certainly I certainly appreciate your service and your sacrifice to to protect this this great country that we live in so so thank you for that what is your favorite part about living here within within district three yeah it's the people Mm -hmm. it's the people in in district three um it's we have such a diverse uh, group of residents that live here whether you were born here or you chose to move here you're here and you bring with it, you bring a culture, you bring a, um, you bring food, you bring uh, a lifestyle, you bring family, and you bring a number of things that create the fabric, which we have here in Sacramento. And that allows us to really explore the parkway more because we have so many different lenses, whether you're an avid runner, bicyclist, or birder or anything of that nature, you bring that together. It allows us to really utilize our parks and understand that the strengths of our region are the people. And as long as we keep having great people come to Sacramento and we keep welcoming and we can do a lot more to to, to welcome folks, we could do a lot more to help folks that are living here. And that's why I'm running. But the strong suit will always be, and the the greatest part about this region will always be the people that live in Sacramento County. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a, a great space. Um, you know, the, the parkway is, is, in my opinion, the jewel of this entire area. And obviously we have a multitude of, of issues facing the district, but that is one that I know is of, of a high priority for a lot of people. Um, so when it comes down, and we talked a little bit about your decision to run, but I mean, what, what really was that final straw that made you make that decision to jump in the race? I mean, we're talking about a seat now that had, has been held, I think, for 40-some-odd years from, by a female, for, for, first of all, and second of all, 16 years from Susan Peters. Um, she, I think, was first elected in 2004, and then she decided that she was going to um, sort of retire from her post, which, which created this opportunity, and there's, there's five of you guys running. So, so what was that real, I mean, what was that, that final thing that said, hey, I, I got to do it, it's now or never? Yeah, um, I'm proud of the work that we've been doing, that I've been able to do uh, now as district director in a congressional office, working across the county. We worked um, with all of the supervisors, including Supervisor Peters, as well as the city councils 
in the different cities. Sure. I'm talking as well as um, like yourselves. We have uh, folks elected to the parks board. You know, we have so many different layers of people that want to help out in our region and do so within government. And so I'm proud of the work of coming together and things that we've been doing around the county. But I see my own neighborhood and I see what happens when I drive home. I see what happens when I walk my two children to the park and we play or we try to go to a small business. You can see the homeless crisis. You can see the issues with quality of life, the economic development, the infrastructure, these issues that are directly affecting me every single day in my life and not just myself, but my family and my community and my neighbors. And so I, I want to stand up. I want to stand up again and raise my right hand and try to make a difference. And so that's, that's why I'm running. It's just, it's time for a change. Well said. Um, in, so in your opinion, like we, we've talked about, I mean, there's a multitude of issues that are facing the district and challenges. Um, there's also a lot of really good positive things that are going on within the city of Sacramento and our district and, and all over the area um, that, that could easily be uh, said as well. But in your opinion, what are the three most important challenges that our district faces? You get us there on three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, first and foremost, we can start with the most visible challenge and the most heartbreaking uh, challenge that our, that our region is facing right now is the homeless crisis. Absolutely. Um, that's something that we can solve. That's something that I'm confident that we can come together. We can work collaboratively along um, every jurisdiction, we can work with our neighbors, we can work with our communities and have real solutions that solve this issue. Uh, number two would be the lack of economic development out here in our region, down Sacramento into our commercial corridors, still preserving the region. We have a better Fair Oaks Boulevard that's got small business after small business. We know that the best cheeseburger in town is not necessarily found at a chain restaurant, but it's found at Skips and Carmichael. Mm -hmm. We know that when you want to get your vehicle fixed or you want to go to your favorite dry cleaner or get something adjusted or get that lawnmower blade sharpened, all of these things are small businesses that exist in this district, exist in our community. And so if we can do more to incentivize and help economic development, and then the third would be the infrastructure. It's not something we have to spend a lot of time on discussing what the actual problem is. It's evident by the amount of times you have to swerve on the way home or to the parkway or things else you do. So we need to have an infrastructure that meets not just the demands of today, what, what we're doing today with the vehicles and with the road use and everything else, but what's going to happen tomorrow and 20 years from now. We need to be smart about developing for the future. And I'm going to throw a fourth one in there. Why not? But, and that's just a continual presence of, of law enforcement, which adds to the quality of life. And so if we continue to uh, support a great quality of life in the county, which helps families, which helps homeowners, renters, business owners, helps everybody. It's just better for all. Absolutely. Um, certainly, I think nobody is going to argue. I mean, the small business community is sort of the backbone of the community, and, and that's something that is that is very important. Um, so fast forward, you're elected. Uh, what What is the first issue when you get into that office the first day that you sit down and go, we got to get this going? What is that first issue you're going to tackle? That's the homeless crisis. Okay. We're going to tackle that um, collaboratively. We're going to tackle that across the entire region with everybody. We need to take issues out of the city of Sacramento. Or excuse me. We need to take the conversation and the agenda out of the city of Sacramento and realize that we have a voice here in the county. We need to work with the city 
Sacramento. But we also need to work with the city of Folsom and Rancho Cordova and Elk Grove and the county of Yuba and El Dorado. This is a regional problem, and we can come together and collaborate. We can understand where the punctures are in the tire, and instead of throwing it out, let's repair the punctures, reinflate it, and get moving down the road. And allowing us to come together on the, this such a large issue as homelessness allows us to collaborate, and then we can take those best practices and we can move forward about economic development. We can move forward about having a regional approach to affordable housing. We can move forward about having a regional approach to just making it better for all of us. And so tackling that one issue, day number one, collaboratively, will set the groundwork and the framework for future teamwork. Yes, I, I agree. The um, The homeless issue is is certainly, I, I believe, strongly the most pressing issue that, that our district faces. And, and like you said, it's not it's not a district thing. It's a regional thing. It's a statewide thing. I mean, it's actually, I mean, it, we're, we're seeing a lot of problems with homeless across the nation in certain metropolitan areas. So it is something that is, is, is very pressing. Um, and sort of keeping along that same line of, uh, I, I, I sort of somewhat assume that that was going to be the answer because it's, it's pretty obvious. I think to most people that that is probably the most pressing, um, issue that that we're facing here is is the homeless and and how to best take care of them and and help them because it's I think a lot of people take the view that it's a blight to our neighborhoods and and it is in a way but these people are hurting they're struggling we need to sort of figure out how best to to help them and to get them back into a productive role in in society Um, so going along those same lines I mean what in your in your mind what what are the main things that you think got us to where we are today with the, with the homeless crisis? It's, it's, uh, it's uh, the same thing's true with a number of other issues. It's not one particular factor. And so we can look at what got us here so we can prevent getting here in the future. But right now we should work at solutions and helping people on the streets. And that's working collaboratively with our nonprofits. That's having a regional approach. That's understanding the existing programs and understanding things that are out there already and working with our stakeholders and determining if there are changes that can be made, adding more substance abuse treatment, more mental health treatment, but workforce development. Give folks the possibility of getting a paycheck again. Let's fill some of the 400,000 construction jobs in this state that are sitting empty. Some of the hundreds, if not thousands of jobs that are available through Forest Service and other things out there in this region. So let's start going after folks and getting them back in the system. But that only deals with what we're seeing out there right now. That also doesn't deal with people that are coming through the pipeline. And we're going to continue to have this problem if we don't adjust the pipeline. 3,600 kids self-identify as homeless in the San Juan Unified School District. 3,600 kids are on the McKinney-Vento, which is the HUD definition for being housing insecure. And so we need to understand and determine what we can do to help those children, or they will be on the streets, unfortunately. And they will have their families on the streets, unfortunately. And so we need to do a number of things. And then also, we need to keep people in their homes. We know that it's cheaper and it's smarter to keep people in their homes. So whether it was a car accident that made you miss two weeks of work and now your rent is so overdue, or it was a medical emergency or a high medical bill, We need to find a way that we can be smart about an upfront small amount of money that keeps people in their home and prevents a larger drag on the system and therefore allows us to deal with the folks that don't have a home right now. 
So when we deal with the crisis um, of the homeless, we need to deal with the entire system and ensure that we are turning the tap off um, at schools. We are turning the tap off um, with women that are giving birth, with families. We're turning the tap off with seniors that just recently lost somebody and now grandma went to one income or no incomes and only had social security. What do you mean by turning the tap off? We need to ensure that they have support and resources. We need to ensure that they don't end up homeless on the streets as well. And if we can provide something here right now before they get evicted from their home, before they lose that apartment, that's shutting the tap off. That's shutting them off getting into the cycle of homelessness, which is much harder to remove them from. So if we can prevent people from coming into the system, that's easier on us all. And it allows us to deal with folks that are already out there. And we deal with them the ways I talked about with real services, but also uh, workforce development and things that allow people to get back into the system and back into the economy here in Sacramento County. Um. Yeah, I mean, agreed. There's there's certainly um, some some issues with with those scenarios you were just talking about. I think when a lot of people look at the homeless population, they think of one well, two main issues. One is mental health. Two is drug addiction. And do you have a plan to tackle the you know the people that need those mental health services and also drug addiction? Because it's one thing to say we can build more housing and we can do this, but it's it's you know, anybody that's talked to anybody that is addicted to meth, and we're re- predominantly talking about meth on the streets, um, in, in all the research I've done and everybody I've talked to is, is the numbers are 85 to 90% of all the homeless are, are addicted to meth. Um, and talking to somebody like that and giving them a home, I mean, if they, you know, the problem with the housing, right, is they have to be clean to be in the housing or the shelter. And anybody that is addicted to a drug like that is always is 100% of the time going to choose the drug over the, the housing. So have you thought, what, what is your approach on, on one, the, the, mental, the mental health aspect, and then two, the, uh, the drug addiction so we can actually start getting them into some housing? Um, yeah, I was going to bring this up, so I'm really glad you did. First and foremost, let's erase the stigma of mental health. My name is Matt Chicago. I'm running to be your supervisor. I'm a combat wounded veteran and I'm not afraid to talk about my own mental health journey. We need to erase the stigma of mental health. We need to realize that people deal with things and we need to support and provide real resources and real access to treatment because we know that people with real treatment and real resources can get better. And I, I will say that every single chance I can, we need to erase the stigma of mental health, but we need to go after folks with the drug and alcohol abuse with treatment as well. I don't know about those high numbers on the street of people being addicted, but let's talk about the folks who are on the street. And we know that according to the HUD point in time count that just came out, that the 5,570 people are predominantly the fastest growing population for that matter, are seniors. The fastest growing population are women with children in tow, escaping a violent or a sexual situation. So I think that those, um, those people out there on the street, as well as other folks, you know, may be sucked up into this notion that we have of somebody who's homeless. And if we can dispel those myths, also offer real treatment. And that's not to say that we can't help the people that are addicted to drugs. People fall on hard times. And we can do real treatment. People do that all the time. We can't just leave that up into our jails to provide treatment, mental health treatment. We can't just leave it up to our law enforcement officers to be there and provide that. We need to work with our health systems 
and we need to understand the deficiencies we have right now in Sacramento County. Absolutely. So going back to, um, you had mentioned earlier, I think in your, in, in some of your previous statements about, uh, sort of giving, uh, more support to law enforcement. And one of the big issues with law, law, law enforcement is prop 47. So what is your sort of stance on, on prop 47 and its role in the crisis we're seeing when it pertains to the homeless? Yeah, um, so Prop 47 passed in 2014 uh, and is law, is law by the state of California. Uh, that, that law was enacted uh, overwhelmingly by the voters of the state of California. So what we can do now is adjust. Uh, we were fortunate enough that our founders laid out a transformative democracy on the federal level, which has trickled down to the state and the local level, which allows us to change legislation. And so I've been endorsed by Assemblymember Jim Cooper, Jim Cooper had a very long and proud career with law enforcement, rising up to uh, captain uh, with the Sacramento Sheriff's Department, um, as well as an illustrious elected career, but now currently serves in our state legislature. And uh, Assemblymember Cooper is leading the charge to find changes to Prop 47 that we can do that stay within the spirit of the law, that stay within the intent, which is to focus more on the violent offenders to leave money available for juveniles and for treatment programs and other things. But how do we go after the changes? Uh, one issue that Mr. Cooper, Assemblyman Cooper, led was the theft of a firearm, which was in Prop 47. And so he led um, to get that now taken off of that. And so these are changes that he's also working with, uh, not just the theft of the firearm, there's the classification of drugs that are used to assault women, there's a number of things, and so I'm lucky that we have the leadership of Jim Cooper and others as well working collaboratively with our communities, talking with our stakeholders, talking uh, at town hall settings and speaking, then also putting that into policy. And so as we'll continue to have changes come out of that um, that are rooted in practical things, we can move forward. But we also need to understand now as the Board of Supervisors that since that is law, what can we do here locally to help our law enforcement as well as help our communities? And that's what we're not necessarily looking at. Everyone wants to take blame or, or pass that off to things that were settled by millions and millions and millions of Californians. What we should be doing is finding a way to still support and offer resources to allow Sacramento County to thrive. And I think we can do that. And then we can work legislatively with Assemblymember Cooper and others on getting those fixes implemented um, um, as they go along. What would the what would the fixes that you would like to see in place? Like I mentioned, I was uh, extremely happy to see the theft of the firearm mm -hmm. that that um, put back in, um, regardless of the amount, which was the issue, um, especially on the drugs and other things that are used to assault women sexually or non. Um, as well. And so I'm fortunate. These are ongoing conversations. I know Assemblymember Cooper is leading across this state. And so, like I said, I'm lucky enough to have his endorsement. And I, and I realize that um, Prop 47 is not something that the county supervisor has any um, jurisdiction over. Um, but it, I think is, it is an important um, thing. And I, and I know a lot of people that are listening to this might not really understand what Prop 47 is, but Prop 47, primarily you can, you can, I think put it into two different areas. One of them, it, it, it lowered um, the, uh, the limit of 
personal theft or theft from a business um, from, uh, what was it, 900 and, I don't know, $999 was a felony to um, anything $950 or less is a misdemeanor. And you can do that multiple times a day. And that, that, that's one of the main things that a lot of people will bring up with, with you know, some of these drug users is the fact that they can basically steal for their habit and be reassured that they're never going to you know, be prosecuted for those, for, for those thefts. Um, and then the second part of it is the um, lowering of the, the penal code for possession of certain substances that at one time were, were certainly a felony like heroin and, and meth. And, and I think under the, the way Prop 47 is written right now, you can possess basically, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say unlimited amounts, but pounds of heroin and pounds of meth. And as long as you say it's for personal consumption, you, you can't be prosecuted. Um, in fact, last week, maybe two weeks ago, Folsom PD pulled over a guy. He had four pounds of heroin in his car and they basically, they gave him a ticket and sent him on his way. And, and that's the kind of stuff that I think, um, needs to be, you know, addressed. And again, I, I know that the County supervisor doesn't have any jurisdiction over that, but I think it's important for a lot of people to know where those people that are elected in, in those positions stand on that kind of... Well, I don't think there's a single person that... Uh, that and that's not nothing to do with the argument over Prop 47 that wants anybody in our community having any amount of heroin, yet alone four pounds. Yeah. So regardless of how somebody out there feels on Prop 47, we can still have strong and safe communities. And that's what we need re- this real leadership in this race for. We can sit here... And we can talk about state law or we can find ways to change it and fix it that meet the needs of small business owners. So with this as your supervisor, what I will do is we will work with our PBIDs and our chambers like I have been doing for almost seven years. We will understand what they can do. What are their resources that are available for them? We can support with uh, homeless outreach or hot officers within the sheriff's department or offices that are specifically available for this. So the things that we can do here as a county to have real fixes to help you out there in your home, in your business, at the park, in our community. And that's what I'm focused on. Perfect. Okay. Um, moving on, roads. It's uh, anybody that drives any road. I, I drive Madison Avenue on a daily basis, and like you were saying, swerving and uh, dodging the potholes is is something I think everybody can certainly relate to. Um, I bet, and, and I'm sure many of us uh, have spent real money getting our, our car fixed because of some of those potholes that we hit. So how, how do you go about, what is your plan to tackle that as far as the uh, infrastructure and the critical need for uh, improvement to our district's roadways? Yeah, I agree with you right there. I was nodding my head when you said Madison, and you talked about a number of other corridors. We have a pothole near my home that my daughter has named. <laughs> it's been there for yeah. some time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it won't be appearing in our Christmas card anytime soon yeah. or for the holidays, but uh, needless to say, it, it's there. And so that's something that affects all of us in our daily lives. And we need to be creative, and we need to work together. I think we can utilize more technology when it comes to fixing our roads, understanding that a simple mix, filling a pothole, maybe better spend talking with the neighborhood on doing roads. And then afterwards, let's look at the quality of the construction that's happened. I've had the pleasure of growing up and being born and raised in Sacramento and walking and riding my bike everywhere. But lately, I've been doing a lot of door knocking, specifically. Mm -hmm. 
And I've been to neighborhoods where tripping in the street due to creases of pavement or the unleveling as I'm pushing uh, my daughter's stroller around or pulling a wagon as well with a bunch of kids canvassing and the unlevelness of sidewalks or the unevenness or the lack of sidewalks near schools or streetlights and things of that nature. So I think we need to be smart about this. We need to have a real conversation with people who live out there in those specific neighborhoods. And then we also need to balance it with folks that don't just drive necessarily the roads. We talked about the walkers, but let's talk about the bikers. I'm looking over and I, I could tell that you seem to be a fan of riding a bicycle. I, I've ridden one or two. And, 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 and everybody and somebody who rode a bicycle as well has a story. Every bicyclist has a story about having a close call or unfortunately even being hit, even being hit by a, by a vehicle due to guilty. A, no markings on the sidewalk or there is a story about, you know, falling off your bike due to an impediment in the road. And so let's come together with everyone that utilizes our, our roadways, our parkways, our walkways. But we're, we also need to bring in transportation. Transportation for too long has been focused around the city of Sacramento, getting people in and around there. That's not right. We need to make transportation work for us out here in the county. So if people want to get on light rail and take it downtown, go to a Kings game, enjoy a number of things, go to work, they're able to take it back and it can be safe and it works for them. I'm smart, excuse me, I'm pleased that Smart Ride was introduced by Regional Transit, which is a new app-based kind of an Uber Lyft style thing for regional transit. I think it's kind of smarter. It's going to save uh, a lot on the environment and it saves people money. And so these are things that we can do and we can work for it. But it is a balancing act. It is a balancing act to try to determine uh, what is best. But uh, for too long, those conversations have been happening behind closed doors. So what I will do as your supervisor, we will bring those conversations into the public and we will make sure that you have the ability to weigh in. We will make sure that you have the ability to send photographs or videos of potholes, or issues with infrastructure. And so we can crowdsource this. Um, let's face it, we may not get to every pothole immediately, but what we will do is tell you what, we're, what we are doing, and where we are doing it, and where the issues are. So we're all in this together, because we all drive everyone's road. Yeah, a, um, you mentioned regional transit. The, um, one of the things I think that, especially in this district, District 3, we don't have a lot of access to regional transit, which makes the quality of our roads even more important to say, more important than say a district that has a lot of regional transit or has more of a metropolitan feel where they can jump on a, a quick Uber or a, a, a train or a BART or, or whatever it may be. So I think that's, that's one of the issues that really faces our district is the lack of, of regional transit and why the road conditions is, is certainly more important, I think, for a district like ours than, than some of the districts out there. What, what we can also do, and I agree with you is on, on that as well, but what we can also do is fight also for a larger share of regional transit. I, I know that downtown Fair Oaks is a great place to be especially during a festival. Sure. I know. Yeah. I chicken know. festival. Chicken festival is a great place. Uh, you know, you can't beat a live theater. You can't beat a live, live musical. You can't beat that in Fair Oaks in this community. And if there's a way for me to take a bus um, to there with my family, or if there's a way to enjoy the farmer's market at Carmichael Park, um, if there's a way to enjoy Milagro Center, or if there's a way to do a number of things. I mean, I don't know if you've been in the North Highlands and been to the Aerospace Museum recently, but it's phenomenal. So we have all these different jewels that are hidden around. So if we can connect those as well, so we can, we can be strong on roads, 
we can be strong on infrastructure, and then we can also look forward to what the future is going to hold and highlight some of the things we have out there. But it is a balancing act, and that's something that we're going to have to need a supervisor like myself who's vocal and somebody who's willing to fight for us. Fight in fights for the budget and to get that allocated for us for sure because I think a lot of people uh, don't quite realize that the budget that you're these five county supervisors oversee is is four point four billion dollars and I mentioned in my in my previous podcast that you know um, Mayor Steinberg gets a lot of the accolades and and you know he gets the limelight but at the end of the day he's really over only overseeing about one point two billion so this budget is is quite a bit larger so the uh, having somebody in your district that that's willing to go to the wall and fight for you I mean that that's a that, that's a big thing so I, I agree um, and then we also need to work hand in hand with our other elected officials not necessarily so they know that we're fighting but after a while we shouldn't have to so they will know the needs of our community will be such an active vocal proponent of the residents of district three of carmichael and arden and fair oaks and foothill farms and north highlands college glen and everything in between be such an active proponent be active in the media be active out there in the community so people know what our wants and demands and needs are and when the time comes uh they're handing it to us because um we're there and we're working hand in hand with them and we're understanding what's going on so sometimes as elected officials we need to check our egos at the door or that needs to happen with elected officials and we need to get down to work mm-hmm. that's so, easier said than done sometimes <laughs> right i agree everyone wants it, the same thing though yep and, and it needs to be a collaborative effort so yes. um, it, it's it's certainly not my way or the highway nothing really gets done that way um so moving on uh to another hot issue that i uh, again i understand that the district um or the county supervisor for the district doesn't necessarily have any jurisdiction over, but what is your stance on one of the most hotly contested props that's going to be on the general election in November, Prop 13 and the split role uh, initiative? Yeah, so the um, I thought you were going to mention Prop 13, which is the school bond The school measure. bond measure, yeah, that's going to be on uh, March, March 3rd, 3rd next yes, week. Yes. This one, just so people, again, and again, I'm not a uh, legislator, so I'm, I'm not going to speak exactly the way it is, but I think a general uh, description of this Prop 13 is, is the original Prop 13 came into place in 1978, and it was basically to protect homeowners and business owners from getting their their taxes, uh, ab- you know, abnormally increased year over year. I mean, some property owners were getting their taxes, their property taxes increased up to 50% yeah. every year. And the uh, voters of California back then in 1978 passed a uh, passed Prop 13, which I think it, it limits it to 2%, correct? Um, so it's back on the ballot again, and they're trying to revise it a little way, in, in a little bit, not, not necessarily for the residential, the property owner, but for the business owner. So, so we need to look at this a number of ways. And I view... Uh, this conversation with a unique lens that is unique to actually any of the other candidates in this race is my wife is a part owner of a small-time business. And so we have sat around our kitchen table and had conversations about payroll and taxes and sales. We've had conversations about um, what would happen uh, when numbers are looking one way or the other, you know, and we've had those tough tough conversations as a family and you know so I know where people are coming from what we also need to understand is the state of California is also operating with a very large surplus in the, right now and so to balance any open books on the backs of hard-working people including small business owners would be wrong 
Um, and so the protections placed in by Prop 13 um, were placed in for a reason. However, the voters of California are going to choose, and it is going to be the voters of California, the entire state. So as supervisor, what we can do is we can be ready one way or the other. As your supervisor, what we can do is be speaking with our small business owners, offering resources, combining with the SBDC and our small business administration, things that I've already been doing as Congressman Barra's district director in there, providing workshops, working with our chambers. We need to understand that change is going to come one way or the other. And we can talk about it or we can prepare for it and we can be ready for it. And we can ensure that our small business owners have the resources they need to stay in business. Like I said, we know that some of the great things about this district are the, the greatest thing is the people. And some of the great things that people do is they make phenomenal things, whether it's something we eat or wear or display in our homes or anything in between. And so we need to ensure that we are doing more to incubate that small business. Uh, we need to sure, ensure that we are doing more to protect them. And so as supervisor, what we should be doing is having a conversation right now, not on this, not on something that's going to be decided by California, but talking with our business owners on what if it does come, talking with our residents on things that are going to happen. And so we can be prepared. We can educate our business owners and educate ourselves, and we can understand um, what is going to happen, and we can adjust and be ready for it. So you think it's a bad idea? I, uh, you know, I have not read the particular proposition yet, and I don't believe anybody really has for that matter. But what I think is a bad idea is to sit here and talk about it when uh, we're not doing anything to help the folks that could be affected by it. And one way or the other, the voters of California are going to choose. And the voters of California are going to make decisions. And leadership in this county and leadership with me as supervisor would be to stand up one way or the other and ensure that the resources and the might of their local government supports them. And if we can, we can do that through education, we can do that with a number of our nonprofits and our federal and state uh, agencies, and we can let folks know that Sacramento County is a great place to do business. Sacramento County, specifically District 3, is where you want to relocate your restaurant, is where you want to relocate your business, is where you want to go, because you can thrive. And that's what they'll know as supervisor, because we'll be on the forefront and we'll be open and transparent with everybody. Okay. So just, uh, I mean, just because a lot of people listening just want to know like a stance one way or another, I'll just put you sort of in the column of you don't really have a stance well, either way on, you, you'd mentioned a little bit at the, at the beginning. Well, I know, your, I know, I know what the, the conversation is about protecting small business owners. Sure. And that's what we need to do. And we need to protect small business owners in Sacramento County. We can step forward and be real leaders and protect small businesses, or we can sit here and talk about what's proposed or what can happen down. Instead is we can go out tomorrow and we can work with our PBIDs and our chambers and we can meet the business owners where they are and we can prepare for things. And that's what I do as your supervisor, whether it's a state law, which we've talked about tonight, mm -hmm. but there's also a number of federal laws where opportunity zones have the ability to completely revitalize and reinvent specific parts of directly parts here in Sacramento County. I'm talking investment into places that need it. We have an opportunity to work on a number of things. So we can be reflexive, we can be communicative, and we can uh, collaborate through all of these things, one way or the other, 
and, and we can come out ahead. And like I said, folks will know that Sacramento County, in this case, is the place to do business as well as raise your family. All right. Um, one more. AB5. Do you, uh, what are your thoughts on AB5 and, and do you support the way it is written now? AB5 is undergoing a number of changes, and I am happy to see that the legislature uh, not only is open to these changes, but is communicating these changes and is, is working with a number of stakeholders. That's what's phenomenal about our government, uh, whether we're talking about the local level, state or federal level, is the ability to reach out to the legislators and ability to directly tell them how laws are affecting them. And it's real work and real democracy when the legislators are listening and we can come together and have a compromise. And so I don't believe uh, right now, currently, even the author, uh, you know, uh, Assemblywoman uh, Lorena Gonzalez is even looking at changes herself. She's the one leading changes to look at things. What we also have to understand is the intent and the spirit was to protect too many people, too many people out there that found themselves on the wrong side of a paycheck, did it no fault of their own. Too many people out there that found themselves being taken advantage of. And so we can protect those people. We can protect a lot of Californians, including people here in Sacramento, also by being smart about this. We can understand that the way certain things are written may hurt specific freelance industries. We can understand whether you're a trucker or a photographer, whether you're a musician, or depending on your, the agency in which you work with. And so we can make these changes, and that's what we should do with Sacramento. What we need to talk about is we are the seat of the state capitol here in Sacramento County. The state legislatures, the state legislators live here. They drive our roads. And so we should be the first ones on the door to let them know how a policy proposed or enacted is affecting us here in Sacramento. We should be the ones right there testifying, given firsthand experience from our small business owners, from our neighborhoods, on things and how it's going to affect us. Sacramento County can lead, lead by example, but we can lead when we come together. Certain things are going to happen that may throw us off. Certain things are going to happen that are going to be tough to deal with, and we may not always get the answer we want. But if we stick together, if we're open about it, and if we work together, we can move past it and create a better Sacramento County. And that's why I'm running to be your supervisor. Okay. Yeah, I mean, AB Assembly Bill 5 is just one of the things that comes up from a lot of the listeners that post uh, or private message me, and they just want to know a stance on that. So I think we basically covered that. And, and Assembly Bill 5 is the one that is, you know, primarily affecting a lot of people in this district that I've heard you know, reach out that, that are independent contractors and things like that. And, so. and I can, I, I encourage them to continue to reach out. And that's sure. like, I mean, so as somebody, you know, the only candidate in this race who currently uh, works in representative government is somebody as Congressman Barris district director, whether it's 150 people showing up into our office or one person calling me, I'm there to listen. And the more people are vocal, the more people reach out to their legislators, the more people understand or more people, um, give the chance to explain how things affect them, uh, we can all come together and have a real sense of purpose here in Sacramento County. Agreed. Okay. So, and, and sort of on moving on to our last subject here, which is, um, I think, very important to at least, I know, people in Fair Oaks and Carmichael. And, you know, I, I realize the district is a big area, but the American River Parkway and our open spaces, open spaces are, are everywhere throughout the district in our, our public parks and, and all that kind of um, 
places, all those kinds of places that we recreate, take our families to. And then we have the American River Parkway that basically is, is really a regional attraction. I mean, people from all over the state come to fish the waterways, to ride the American River bike trail, to run races, to kayak down the river, to raft down the river in the summer. So uh, and it's also one of the, the areas that is probably most impacted by the homeless crisis. I've heard numbers up to uh, a thousand homeless that are are currently residing on the parkway right now. So what is your position on preserving those open spaces, improving those open spaces, then at the same time really sort of taking care of um, and, and maintaining and enhancing the American River Parkway? I agree with you. The American River Parkway is the jewel. I'd push a little further and say it's one of the jewels of the West Coast, and it's something that we, we definitely get a lot of visitors coming here to see. And people that live around this state or even around the nation are amazed when they come to Sacramento, where the, the city of trees or farm to fort capital, depending um, what side of the water tower you're looking at. But we are a county that really enjoys... Uh, where people that really respect our environment and have come to have a relationship with that. And I think a lot of people look at FEA almost as an extension as a family member. Mm-hmm. People refer to the parkway, you know, as that, that, that cousin that lives across town, you're going to go to the parkway's house or, you know, and these are things that we can go. And so of course we need to support our open spaces. Of course, as somebody who's rafted down the river during the summer or, or recreated and, and currently walks with his children around the parkway, uh, as well as some of our other open spaces. A lot of our um, parks, regional parks um, organizations are phenomenal in providing not only a location to go to, but an experience, whether that's a festival or a farmer's market. So we need to ensure that we are supporting, as a county government, supporting our regional players who are working within the specific places to recreate. And we need to make sure that we are taking care of these places uh, when it comes to the environment. And we have a big issue when it comes to the homeless, whether we're talking about fires on the American River Parkway, sanitation or trash. And so we need to have a solution that protects and preserves the parkway, but why it leaves it open and accessible for all. The great thing about our parkways and our parks, um, the thing about our region that's so wonderful is anybody can enjoy them. Anybody can enjoy the parkway, whether, whether no matter where you live or what your background is, anybody can enjoy a park. And so we need to ensure that there's an equitable opportunity for folks to continue to enjoy it, and we do enough to preserve it. And so we have a parkway. Climate change is real. We need to ensure we're adjusting from the, on that. We need to continue working with our watershed partners up and downstream to ensure that we're protecting habitat for our, our nature that's out there as well. And so all of this can happen. We can work together. We have for some time. We have known regardless of where you sit on any particular issue um, other than this, we all come together when it comes to our parkways and our, our natural environment. And so we can continue to protect and preserve them while ensuring that opportunities for all, but it's going to be a battle, whether it's climate change or as we're dealing with the homeless crisis, we're going to have to find a way to make sure that, that these systems in nature last for all. And I'll, I'll add that, you know, our parks, our open spaces, the American River Parkway predominantly can be all be enjoyed for free. So it's not one of these things where you're having to go out and shell a few hundred dollars out uh, for the family to go and enjoy a day, um, which I think is is very important. Um, in in regards to the parkway, obviously the homeless is is 
is, is one issue that we've discussed quite a bit tonight. So um, if you were to take that out of the scenario, what, what, is, what are a couple other things that you would like to see it be improved on the parkway? I think we need to, uh, the parkway itself, and before we talk about improvements, we need to ensure that we're preserving sure. what we have. So we need to ensure we're preserving, and that's through environmental degradation, that's through climate change, through a number of things, through construction. We need to ensure that we're preserving. And so all around, as we build around our rivers or do a number of development, that it's done uh, smartly, and it's done uh, the right way and with uh, every stakeholder in the room. And, but we need to make them more, or keep them accessible. You talked about how you can enjoy the majority of the parkway for no cost. We need to ensure that it stays like that. So kids can come and get that breath of fresh air. They can come and see nature in its natural habitat, and they can be themselves. And families can come and enjoy themselves. So it's just keeping and ensuring the standards that we have today are going to be there for tomorrow. Yeah, and I'll just add as, as well, in today's day and age, it's, you know, outdoor space and parks and parkways and lakes and hiking and all that kind of stuff is, is very important. And it's, um, it's difficult as a father of two girls myself, and I know you're a, a father of two girls. Um, <laughs> my girls are 14 and 11, and it, it's, it can be a challenge to get them away from the, uh, the screen time. And getting them outside, and, and so these are these are important issues that we're all facing. I mean, we're no different than anybody else out there. I'm sure everybody can pretty much relate to um, a child or or somebody you know spending too much time staring at a, a computer screen or a, a, a phone screen or whatever it may be. So, um, me, you know, being passionate about parks and recreation and and doing all that kind of stuff, it's uh, it's definitely something that is is very very in, on the front edge of of my radar. So. Uh, I appreciate your thoughts on that. We've pretty much ran about 50 minutes. Um, is there any any final closing statements you'd like to make, Matt? You know, uh, I guess uh, I'll lead with Darren. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity to come here and have this conversation with your listeners. I love our community. I've served our community. I've served our nation uh, overseas. I gave my blood for this nation, and I give my soul for this community. And I can tell you that I have spent almost the last seven years working every day for you. And the day and weeks after the election or what I'm going to, and I'm going to do the same thing, what I've been doing the years before, which is work for you, which is help you. Because that's what matters when we come together and we have a purpose of making Sacramento County a better place, uh, which it can be and which it will be. My name is Matt Chicago, and I believe the status quo has not worked. The homelessness has increased. The issues, we're still talking about the same thing for too long. We need real leadership, and I want to stand up and represent you and represent all of you. And so I'm asking for your vote this March 3rd. Awesome, Matt. Hey, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come in and address our tiny little Fair Oaks community podcast here. Um, it actually gets quite a few up, uploads, so that's, that's sort of cool. But uh, anyway, again, Matt Chicado, uh, one of our five candidates running for county supervisor for our district here in Fair Oaks, District 3. Matt, thank you. Thanks again. Appreciate it. And uh, I wish you the best of luck uh, come. Well, I guess we're going to have a little test on March 3rd, but uh, going forward. So appreciate the, the time. Thanks a lot. Thank you.